Welcome to Bare Neural Brothers Podcast. Hey guys, Tess Amaro here. I want to talk about paranormal teams today. Uh, you know, those who are part of one know what I mean when I say there's no other bond like it. You're not just team members, you're friends, you're family. I founded my team, the Paranormal Prowlers, around 10 years ago. I might not have been investigating for too terribly long, but my whole life I've been intrigued, interested, a fan of, and dare I say obsessed (laughs) with the paranormal and the unknown. There are many teams out in the world, also many solo investigators. Some people don't approve of investigating by yourself, and I respect that, but I, I do both. I love going out with my team and investigating haunted locations all throughout our great state of Colorado. Some locations you have to drive several miles on dirt roads winding up into the mountains to find these hidden gems. Colorado is filled to the brim with them. I love spending time with my team, investigating together, relying and trusting each other and so on. I also love investigating on my own. Colorado is where Paranormal Prowlers was born and created. The members of the team are scattered about Colorado, so that's where we investigate together as a team. I happen to live part-time out of state over here in North Carolina. I travel several times a year to both states, and I always have my equipment with me, so I tend to find myself in locations that I didn't know I'd be at. Surprise investigations. Gotta love them. Paranormal Prowlers. I was sitting there at my great aunt's and trying to think of a neat name. Her and I were brainstorming and together we came up with the name. While my Aunt Butchie isn't a member of the team, hell, she's an honorary member, (laughs) she loves hearing all about my paranormal adventures and has had a few encounters throughout her life as well. My team consists of people that I know and trust. A huge majority of them are family members, and if they aren't family, they damn near feel like family. Since they are everywhere in Colorado, depending on where we are, the members are different, if that makes any sense. When in the San Luis Valley, Del Norte, South Fork, and Creed areas, my sister Casey and our dear friend Angie Velasquez join me. In Pueblo, which is about two and a half hours away, in which we also cover Colorado Springs, Denver, and Cripple Creek, it's my best friend Jordan Ortega, my sister Casey when available, my cousin Nick Hammett, and his wife Lori. Each person in the group and I have history together. Obviously, we share a passion for the paranormal. You may have heard of the team or seen it in social media world as you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I am proud of my team and the endless hours of investigating, the research, note-taking, the plethora of evidence collected, the thrills, the adrenaline, the encounters and experiences we have had are epic and priceless to say the least. I want you to be able to hear from some of the members themselves. My sister, Casey, started out with the team when it was formed. After my attachment, however, she saw firsthand what it did to me and how it changed me. And at the time, she was traveling a lot, including going to Italy. So she kind of stopped investigating for a while with fear of getting an attachment like I did. 
in Italy, she was working with children and didn't want to chance something negative going with her. And then about a year ago, she joined the team again, which I was very, very happy about. Together, we've investigated mines, cemeteries, and other active locations. Hear what Casey has to say when it comes to investigating. Here she is. All right. So, yeah, it's been awesome being part of the paranormal prowlers. You know, we've gotten to experience and investigate in so many different places, um, mostly in Colorado. So that's been a blast. Some of my more memorable and favorite places that we've been to have been uh, the Windsor Hotel, and that's in Del Norte, Colorado. Tess and I had both worked there, actually, for a while. But before that, she had been so gracious to have gotten, for my birthday, she had gotten me to, gotten us a night there. And we investigated for a while that night, and oh, it was so much fun. We had gotten quite a bit. We had left the recorder running, and then we went out in the ice house, and, you know, we just, we had gotten different um, voices, and that was a lot of fun. We had quite a bit, and I think we were talking with a little girl, if I remember correctly, and then also we had, this was at a, at the Windsor as well, but it was a different night. When we were working there, our friend and other team member, Angie, was there, Tess and Angie and I, we were sitting there, and I was uh, at the piano, and I don't even know how to play. I was just playing some keys, and uh, we got a whistler, <laughs> and I just thought that was so cool. He And it wasn't just once, but it was like multiple times. It happened so many times, you know, when I would play the music, he would whistle, um, and it was kind of a longer whistle. You could definitely tell it was a whistle very clear. And uh, every time I would start playing, he would <laughs> whistle along. So that was, that was really awesome. That's definitely something that has stayed with me. Also, let's see, we have kind of some cemeteries. And usually it's interesting. We'll get different names in the cemeteries. But there was one, and it was the one in Monte Vista. We had heard bells ringing. And there were there was like a little chime on one of the graves, but it was like a different kind of ringing sound than what we had been hearing. I don't know, that whole night was really crazy, just there was so much happening, and I just know the bells uh, ringing were one of the <laughs> interesting things that just kept happening, um, you know, time after time, and it was like, wow, what is that? And then for Tessa's birthday last year, um, we had gone to the, is our museum, we got many things from different voices, and there were a lot of, like, words popping up, and... And it would be in different areas of the museum. We would be around, like, the murder wall or, you know, different places. We'd be asking questions about um, somebody that had actually, sadly, been gotten, that had gotten killed in the past year or two. And uh, we had been asking questions about him. And we would get replies that we know were from that person. And, you know, by the murder wall, we would get words that were just coming up, like kill and murder. We had gotten quite a few different words coming up that were, you know, like in, <laughs> in tune with what we were standing right around. So that was very interesting. And I think we got like Bishop and some other things. So very interesting. And we had a lot of different sounds going on. We saw shadows. We were all touched. I think I had someone, you know, like poke me here on my my side. I think it, it seemed like it was like a kid at kid level, 
Um, and so that was very interesting. Different things were happening with each of us. We were all having our own experiences. So that was a very memorable experience. One of my favorites as well. Yeah, a lot of interesting places. So it's been a fun ride and I'm excited for more. The Whistler at the Windsor, Casey mentioned, it sounded like it was coming from an elderly man and it started when she was playing the piano it was just so precious it absolutely was and then we would not hear from him for a while but we went into the ice house and then we would ask if he was here and then all of a sudden he would come through the spirit box again whistling and it was just so cute and you could tell it wasn't from like the radio or anything like that or a song it was just this cute little old man just whistling away When it comes to the cemetery sounds she's talking about at Rock Creek Cemetery, it was truly bizarre, and I felt it was almost a way of communicating as it happened when we were asking questions, and we did. We searched the cemetery, and we did find a couple different tiny little chimes on children's headstones, and we played around with them, and it was a completely different sound, like Casey said. When we would hear it, we would say, hey, we just heard that sound. And then um, there were times, though, when it was happening and we didn't hear it because like no reply or no responses or anything. So really interesting stuff. And that's not the first time that I've heard that an investigator has been there and has had the same thing happen. So truly amazing. And then the Museum of the Bazaar, I won't get too much into that because that will be an episode all on its own. But like Casey said, we just had so much going on there. We were all touched. And the gentleman she's talking about is was a international snake expert named Dean. And he was sadly murdered a couple years back. And he was a really nice guy. I had the pleasure of meeting him and talking to him at the Serpentarium that he owned about some of the snakes. And just truly an amazing guy. Since his death, his apparition has been seen at the museum, which is right next door. It is they know for a fact that it's him because they were very good friends with him and they saw him almost every single day. The next team member I want to talk about is my cousin, Nick Hammett. Him and his wife, my friend Lori and I, enjoy going to Cripple Creek, a small mountain mining and gambling town and my hometown Pueblo as well. So here is my cousin, Nick. Hi, so my name is uh, Nick Hammett, and I've been investigating with Tessa and the paranormal powers for the past couple of years. We've investigated a, a lot of locations together, mostly here in Colorado, actually all up here in Colorado. Uh, my favorite location I have investigated is probably the Cripple Creek Jail, just because of the history up there and all the all the things that have happened up there in the past and the different experiences we've had there. Um, I think I've been there a couple of times with my most profound experience at the Cripple Creek Jail. It was about an hour, maybe two hours into our investigation, and we were up on the second floor, and I believe it was the woman's ward, but I'm not exactly sure. And we were kind of, we weren't even actively investigating at this point. We were kind of just moving to a new location and kind of talk, talking amongst ourselves. And I was just randomly recording a video on my phone. I didn't even have a voice recorder. I didn't think anything of it. I stopped the video and uh, we just went on with our investigation. But little did I know, uh, when I reviewed the, the audio the next morning, I was just kind of listening through it, going through my pictures. And I heard this crystal clear voice come through. My wife, my fiance at the time, Lori, 
Um, she's not really that much into the paranormal as much as I am, and uh, she was kind of scared. And you can clearly hear in the EVP of what voice come through. It says, don't be scared. And then after that, there's like a, a word in Spanish. You can't really understand it, but you can definitely hear it. Um, don't be scared. And that was pretty crazy to hear, especially since none of us were talking at the time. And you couldn't we didn't hear it in, in real time with our own ears. You only heard it back and recorded. So uh, that's probably my most profound experience at the jail. Um, and then obviously all the other um, EVPs we got there. And I think we even heard some footsteps on the upper catwalk outside of the jail cell, which is pretty cool. And then here in Pueblo at the Pioneer Cemetery, I think it was, doing some really cool ovulus uh, sessions and getting some really relevant words. That was really cool because um, I've never used an ovulus in person until that until that point. So it was cool to interact with that. And then going forward, I, I'm just really looking forward to doing more investigations uh, with Tessa when, when, when you get back in Colorado. I'd love to do more investigations here in Pueblo. And then also, I mean, Colorado is so rich with history, as you know, with Cripple Creek, uh, Cree, and even even the more well-known haunted locations like Stanley Hotel, Hotel Colorado. Even though those are more populated and kind of, even at this point, they're more touristy, they still have some pretty cool history and some really profound um, occurrences that happen there. So, yeah, that's about what I have to say about Colorado. Is there anything uh, you want to chime in with, Tessa? Yeah, when we were at the jail, in Cripple Creek, it was really cool because, yeah, Lori was obviously really on edge. She was uncomfortable. And me and you, you know, it's just like normal stuff, but you could tell she was on edge. And I kept even kidding around going, it's okay, pretty girl. Hold your hand so you're not scared. You know, trying to be like her protector or whatever. So, yeah, it was really interesting when you showed me that EVP and I was listening to it and you're like, yeah, I know that's neither of your voices and stuff. And it was almost like it was like it heard me say something possibly earlier in the night. Cause I said it a few times, you know, because when I saw she was yeah. nervous, I would say something like to ease her mind. So it just kind of makes you wonder. But yeah, that was a very interesting and pretty unique EVP for sure. That was a really good location. I, I definitely, we need to get back there for sure. Yeah, and it's interesting because I think that spirits really feed off certain types of energy. And when they have people come in and investigate over and over again, they're used to that. But then when someone comes in that's not used to the paranormal and they're more open to it, they don't know, they don't know what to expect. And I kind of think, uh, when this, is, this is just my personal opinion, but I kind of think they can sense that, they feed off that, they can utilize that energy to manifest a voice or a shadow or, or a knock on the wall or something. So it's really cool. And I, I think that's something to experiment with and utilize going forward is it's always good to introduce new energy into the situation and and kind of see what happens, just play around and experiment because you never know uh, what's going to happen or what spirit's going to make themselves known. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And it is true. You, you know, I mean, I go to each location with a fresh mind and, a, you know, fresh eyes and open mind and you could go to one location dozens of times and you're going to get dozens of times of different results you know every single location is different yeah it'd be great to i mean i know you're out on the east coast but it'd be kind of cool to you know meet the middle and and investigate some places you know along the way or take a road trip somewhere you know it's always fun to investigate new places and, and just explore and not only for the paranormal aspect but for the 
historical aspect too because there's these places are so old and they're so rich with history and and you can kind of utilize that history that knowledge to communicate with the spirits more effectively too oh yeah absolutely that's why i love i i do love driving from you know north carolina to to Colorado and you do get to see so much and see so many locations that you usually wouldn't see if you were up in the sky. And so those road trips are the best. And, you know, that's how I got to go to Waverly Hills and just other places. And um, one place I really want to go to that you've been to several times is Deadwood. Um, Before we end the segment did you want to did you want to talk about anything that you dealt with in deadwood yeah thank you for bringing that up i definitely even crossed my mind that is definitely one of my all-time favorite towns just because it's so rich with history the, the old the wild west and you know all the, the bootlegging and the gambling and the shootings all that stuff has so much energy associated with it and there's so many buildings up there almost if you go and walk through downtown Deadwood, almost every building is from the late 1800s, early 1900s, and there's so many murders and suicides and who knows what that went on within those walls. Um, and my favorite location there in Deadwood is the Bullock Hotel. It's, it's been featured on a couple TV shows, but both times I've been there, it's really been pretty quiet and kind of flown under the radar, which, the, which are the types of locations I really like because it's just more kind of quiet and relaxed. You can kind of focus on your investigation more. Actually, my favorite memory from there is going down into the basement, which is technically closed off to the public, but I got um, permission from the front desk clerk to go down there. And down there in the basement, it's basically just an old bar and an old saloon that they don't even utilize anymore. And I went down there, it was pitch black, and it was so quiet you could hear a pin drop. I sat in the bar and just sat there in silence just to try to see if I could observe anything and definitely sure enough I heard footsteps walking around I heard bangs at the doors and so that that's one place I would definitely like to go back and visit and I think that'd be if, whenever you come back to Colorado if we have uh, time uh, just to get up there for a couple of days I know it's kind of a long drive but I think it'd be definitely worth it to go up there and check that out and investigate oh yeah I would love that that's definitely on my list of places to go to. And since you're familiar with that area and have been there before, yeah, we definitely should make that trip for sure. We'll make it happen. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. The night Nick received that EVP from that woman, we actually stayed the night at Hotel St. Nicholas, which is on top of the hill overlooking the town and is very paranormally active. And back in the day, it actually used to be a hospital. So many people have passed away there. Nick also mentioned the Pioneer Cemetery. This is in Pueblo and happens to be the oldest burial ground in Pueblo. Throughout the years, I've gotten countless EVPs from this location from men, women, children, and even a baby. Nick mentioned the EVP. And so I want to play it right now for you. He was so awesome and sent it over to me so I could share it with you guys. So here is that EVP from Nick and at the jail. Okay, so you have to listen, but it sounds like she's saying, don't be scared, Mama Sita, possibly. And so again, that's not my voice. And both of us know that that certainly isn't Lori's voice. And so just 
really neat stuff. Because yeah, like he said, she was really nervous. And so she's not used to investigating, really. She's intrigued by it, but it also really just scares her. Uh, the next team member I want to talk about is my best friend, Jordan. See, it's truly a family. <laughs> she's been there since basically day one, a place we often go together. We've been to several places and Pueblo and Cripple Creek and what have you. But uh, we usually love going to this cemetery that is just basically a block away from where I live. And this burial ground is home to two very good friends of ours, Michael and Zach. In addition to these two friends, Jordan's Uncle John is there as well. We have gathered many EVPs from all three, John, Zach, and Michael, it's absolutely fascinating and such a special feeling communicating with not only a spirit, but with a spirit from a loved one that you love and miss and have spent a lifetime creating memories with. So to me, that's like a special rare gem right there. So here is Jordan. Hi, I'm Jordan. I have been best friends with Tessa for 17 years now. And we've been investigating together for, I'd say, a few years at least. I accompany her on all of her Pueblo, Colorado investigations and some smaller towns outside of Pueblo as well. Some of the investigations that have stood out to me the most, I would say, are some that we went to go visit some friends who have passed away at a local cemetery here. One of those friends is uh, Zach and we like to go just sit on the grass when the weather's nice and hang out there enjoy the sun and the, the calming environment of the of the cemetery but uh, one day we were sitting there with Zach and I believe we had the spirit box as well as the recorder going and we were just asking questions and I had noticed that someone had left some flowers and some roses on Zach's grave. And so I decided to ask uh, if he could tell me what color the flowers were. Or no, I'm sorry, the roses, because there were purple flowers and red roses. So I asked him if he could tell me what color the roses were. The spirit box was scanning for a minute, and then all of a sudden you hear it say red. And the roses were, in fact, red. And then we played it on the recorder a few times just because it was, you know, fairly unbelievable. I had been on other investigations before, you know, at cemeteries where we didn't know anyone who was buried, uh, like Pioneer Cemetery. That, that one's really old, so there's a lot of people buried there, and we just get chatter of all sorts men women we hear music and children and everything coming through the spirit box but this one with zach was a little more personal to us so it stood out a little bit more to me because i got the correct answer from the spirit box so that one was interesting there was another one that stood out which was also at imperial my uncle is buried there his name is john uh, and we would go visit him and you know just to say hi even long before the investigation thing started and he's buried by a bell tower where they play music at the cemetery as well and we would just go sit there, and then uh, we had the spirit box there as well. 
I remember, I think the week before we had gone there and I made a flower crown out of like little, just little weeds that grow in the, in the grass there. And I had left it there. And so when we had gone back, I had asked him if he remembered what I left for him the last time we were there. And again, the spirit box was just scanning through the channels. And then all of a sudden it said crown. You know, that was pretty unbelievable to me because I am somewhat of a skeptic just because I personally, you know, I've, I've experienced things just not necessarily as profound as I expected them to be. But this one, this experience was really profound to me because that's in fact what I had left there with a crown. So that was pretty cool. It's just a couple of my favorite experiences, but along with being able to go investigate, you know, we get to go on adventures, which is really cool to old uh, mines and old prisons. And it's just a really cool experience and pretty enriching as well. So I enjoy investigating. Like Jordan said, we have gotten a lot of results at these two cemeteries via spirit box sessions and EVP sessions. I want to mention and note that when our friend Zach said red, it was Amel's voice that came through. And I really do feel that it was him. Not only that, though, I obviously was recording. And so red comes through the spirit box. And then red is also whispered in the EVP form. So I thought that was really cool. And obviously, I didn't find out about that until after the fact. So we had validation right there from one, but then there was another little present there waiting for us to, you know, open it later on. And I just want to mention that Zach is a huge, was a huge atmosphere fan. And he, we've also gotten EVPs regarding atmosphere. So just really, really neat stuff. The next person I want to talk about is my good friend, Angie. Our main investigation location is one of the oldest hotels in Colorado. And in its courtyard stands the town's original ice house, which back in the day, obviously, they would go to the cemetery and dig holes and hopefully have enough for the harsh winter coming ahead. And a lot of the times they would use them all up and they wouldn't be able to dig anymore because the ground was frozen solid. So they would go to the Rio Grande River, grab huge chunks of ice and bring it back to the ice house where the bodies would sit till sometimes past spring because the ground was still frozen solid. So a lot of history and a lot of people that stay in that hotel don't even know that that's back there. They, they see it. They just think, OK, that's an old building or whatever. And that's it. But no, folks, that was actually the town's original ice house. So I don't know. To me, I think that's pretty damn phenomenal. Here is Angie. Okay, so, um, Tessa, we've um, investigated three different times at the Windsor Hotel. And I really don't have a favorite, exactly. I, I have some, some really neat things to share about each one. So the first one uh, we investigated with Casey, and that was so fun. Her stomach kept rumbling, and she was hungry. And but um, we went out to the ice house. You asked if someone was there to please knock, 
And what we got was a really loud bang. And that, that scared us pretty good. That's something that was new to me. And it was really cool. On that, uh, that was our first investigation. And on our second investigation, actually, I think this is more of my favorite. Uh, you and I had investigated by ourselves, and it was about 1 o'clock in the morning. And we had gone out to the ice house, and we had done some more um, EVP work out there. And uh, when I had checked my recorder, there was a really loud man's voice yelling at us to leave. Just leave. Really, really stern. So that was really cool. Um and then you had mentioned that you were going to sleep really well that night because you didn't get to bed until after 1, and then the spirit, the same one, said 20. So right after you said 1, he said 20, like he knew exactly when you went to bed. And that was, I felt kind of creepy, <laughs> but that was that was one of my favorite EVPs. And we got, well, I got 17 EVPs in that two-hour investigation. So it really, it was really a good one. And then I had caught my most favorite EVP of all time. I have never heard anything quite so clear. And it was that you and I were in the event room uh, at the Windsor. And you had mentioned that the room is always so hot. Then you hear this man say, don't be outrageous. And it's so crystal clear. And um, he's obviously not very friendly. It was just really, really neat. And then this last time that we investigated last December, that's pretty much, um, we didn't really catch anything on that, on that investigation. This um, EVP that I got was the only one. And I was begging them to... Uh, come and speak to us. So I said, pretty please come talk to us, you know, pretty please. And then you hear that same man say no. So I think they're kind of done talking with us, or at least with me anyway. I experience them all the time. As you know, I am upstairs working in the hotel nearly every day. So I think they're just kind of tired and, and over it already with me. So I, I know that I really enjoyed investigating with you over there. And I, that's probably the last time I'll do any investigation at the Windsor Hotel. Some of the really neat things that, that I liked that we would do together is uh, walk around the cemetery, you and I and Casey. You know, we just had a lot of good times walking, walking the cemetery, talking about our experiences. I am really going to miss that. So, yeah, we have gotten, obviously, a lot of action at the Windsor. And that's the same location that Casey was talking about when we were communicating with the Whistler. If you go in the winter, there's sometimes where there's only a few rooms you know, that are being used. So you'd have the, basically the place to yourself almost, but yeah, very neat place. One of the oldest in Colorado when it comes to hotels. And so Angie did mention a few EVPs like Nick. She was very kind enough to provide a couple for the episode. Here are these EVPs. I hope you enjoy them. So I know that might be a little hard to understand, um, but he is saying, don't be outrageous. And so you could hear the outrageous for sure. And 
Yeah, very neat EVP. I'll play it one more time real quick. <laughs> okay, so then this next one is Angie asking, pretty please come talk to us. It was a slower night. We weren't getting much. And it was at the end, I believe. And she was being nice and asking. So here this one is. And then you can hear this now. Begging you, please. <laughs> That's just funny to me. So here. Please, please. Begging you, please. <laughs> Sorry. That's so funny. It's like, nope, not talking. We're done. And I do want to note that on another time when she was there, not for an investigation, well, not for a team investigation, she was doing like a solo thing and she was there. She caught on recorder saying, Angie's here. So that's kind of cool. A big shout out to Angie, Casey, Nick, and Jordan. And thank you. Nick and Angie for providing those EVPs. Throughout the years, I have made some phenomenal friends in the paranormal community. And besides swapping experiences and evidence, we also love to talk about our teams. Each is different and unique and brings something of peace to that crowded para puzzle, if you will. So for those who are part of a team, keep doing what you do. You rock. See you guys next time. Uh...